All right, a couple of announcements real quick before we get going. I gotta switch glasses here if you guys want me to actually read anything. Um, we have Hannah's graduation party today at four o'clock at our house, and you're all welcome to come. I am going to be cooking burgers and dogs, and there's chips, and there's cake, and there's all kinds of stuff. So, there's what? More salt. That's insulting. Um, <laughs> so we have that going on today. Um, Greg and I. Greg and I were talking yesterday. So where the playground is outside there, we have that room that's just kind of a blocked, unroofed mess out there. And so we're going to put up a fence so that basically all the kids can go out there and play and we don't have to worry about them being safe because the only entrance is going to be coming back through the basketball court to that whole area. So the kids will have kind of a secure place. They can go over there and run around and do everything. We don't, we don't really have to worry about them too much. But where that blocked-in wall area is there, we're going to knock all that wall down and leave the slab there and make just a big sitting area for the parents and stuff. If they want to go hang out out there with the kids, they can. Uh, we'll put some patio tables and stuff out there and do some stuff like that. Um, and that's, that's just one thing that's going on. Apparently, we're still building a bathroom, two bathrooms, I think. We're just waiting on a plumber to show up, Greg. <clears throat> so other than that, did you have something else you wanted to add? What? Anyone that wants to help to come help dig fence posts and set posts or the fence. I was thinking of doing it either Monday or Tuesday, but it will be in the morning when we do it. Because I do not work in the afternoon, just so y'all know. It's too hot. So then probably next Saturday, we'll stretch the fence and put the fence up. So by next Sunday, the kids can run around and we'll just take the door down going into that back courtyard area. So I um, will bring a sledgehammer for any of the teenage kids that are interested. I knew my kid would have Yeah, yeah. So if, if, you, if anyone wants to break things, you're, you can come to the church. All right. All right. So, with that, that's just a couple of announcements. So, if you need to know where we live, um, I can give you the address after service. And we will, let's go ahead and begin. Let's pray first, really quick, and we'll get going on this. Lord, we just want to thank you again for this time that we have to come together as a, as a body of believers, Lord, to spend time in your word to just dig in deep and learn more about what you have for us. We, we hope that as we go through this time that we can just put aside all the cares of the world, all the distractions, all the stuff that just tends to pop in our heads as we're, as we're listening to your word, Lord, and we can just put that aside and just focus this time solely on you as we, as we open up our ears 
close our mouths and just open our hearts for what you have for us today, Lord. And we just thank you for thank you for your word, and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, as we continue through the book of 1 Corinthians, we continue to kind of see a pattern start emerging. The important thing in life is really your relationship to God. Last week, Paul kind of drifted away from dealing with marriage. He really had one of those squirrel moments and was talking about circumcision. Not really about circumcision per se, but how a piece of skin is not really relevant to your relationship with Jesus Christ. We saw how in today's world, it's also a lot about externals, when in truth, God is looking at your heart. So Paul kind of remembers now in the section we're going to read today, where he was at, and he gets back on track talking about the unmarried and the widows. So if you would please open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and we're going to be finishing the chapter today. We're going to start in verse 25, and as we read this, the three points that we're going to be looking for are, are we distressed, why are we anxious, and we're still here, so now what? And I'm going to make those make more sense after we read, so let's stand for the reading of God's Word, and we're going to go through 25 to 40. So, now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who, by the Lord's mercy, is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned, and if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The, appoint, the appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice, though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly towards his betrothed, if his passions are strong and, if, and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. 
A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is, and I think that I too have the Spirit of God. Amen. You may be seated. So, let's keep this in context here. Paul is specifically writing to those who are betrothed to be married. So what's that mean? It, it was somewhat similar to being engaged, but really more legally binding. Typically, a bride was chosen for a son by his parents, and once the bride was paid, the contract was legally binding. Sex within the context of this betrothal was considered adultery and was punishable by death. The groom and bride typically took about a year or so to get their affairs in order before they would actually get married. The, the groom would save and prepare for a house. The bride would get ready for um, basically becoming under the headship of another man. It was, a, it, was, it was kind of a complicated thing for her to get used to. Um, if you go back and you read the parable of the ten virgins, she was getting her lamps ready and such. Um, she would. Have you guys ever done any hope chests? Anyone here? So we did that with Kayla, where we basically would put certain things in order for when she got married. We just put all these things in a chest for her that would make her married life a little bit easier. Um, so. It may sound kind of archaic, but it's actually a very beautiful thing. When the father of the groom says that the groom is ready, then he would set out to claim his wife. The groom would set out with much fanfare. The, the whole city would rejoice and they would kind of follow him as he went to go pick up his wife. And... The, the beautiful thing of this picture is that it's very comparable and we contrast that to Christ coming for his bride in the church. And it's, it really is just a beautiful imagery that we have there. So Paul is talking about people who are betrothed here and he says something really kind of neat. So we all look at the Bible as the word of God. And we all know that that's true. Paul says here in his speech that this really isn't from the Lord. This is kind of his personal opinion on this. So I love Paul's honesty because he's, he's just saying, yeah, you know, I, everything I've been saying up to this point is... Really, the, the God, this is God's word. And right here, I'm just kind of going out on a limb a little bit. And I'm just going to say, this is kind of how I feel about this. Um, Paul basically makes the same mistake that a lot of people during that time did. What do I mean by that? Well, Paul says that in our current distress, it's better to remain as we are. So... What's he talking about? Are we distressed? What Paul was talking about here is that he didn't want people to get married because 
he wanted them to prepare for Christ's return. The distress was that Jesus was coming back to claim his bride, and Paul thought that it was going to happen like any minute, any time, any, any second. So Paul was wrong, but Paul's right. What do I mean by that? Well, Matthew 24, 36 says, Concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Paul was giving advice to these people based on his own perceptions, what he thought, not anything else. And a couple of thousand years later, we kind of see that he wasn't really right on this one. But you know what? We all do this. We catch, we, we all watch current events and we try and tie them to some biblical warning, right? We all do that. My plea would be the same to you as Paul's. Don't stress out about this stuff. Because we need to focus on our relationship with Christ. I have watched, and I can tell you, at a church I was at in Tucson, that about 20 years ago, there were some things going on in the world. And I kid you not, Every single church in Tucson started immediately teaching from the book of Revelation because they, they all thought the end was near, it was going to happen, and it was going to happen like at any given moment. The thing is, where Paul's not wrong, is that we should always be ready. We should always be watching. We shouldn't be predicting because no man knows the hour. The next point is why are we anxious about these things? We have to again look at this in the context of how Paul was writing this. He thought Jesus would come at any moment to claim his bride. So his, his advice in his mind was time sensitive. 2 Peter 3.8 says, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. We are still expecting Jesus Christ to return, and it could happen at any moment. But in light of 2,000 years passing to marry and procreate and evangelize, we still need to do those things. And we have to remember to be ready while that's all going on. In other words, like keep our oil lamps ready because we don't know what the hour is going to be. Paul's concern for the church is still relevant today. And we don't want to discount that in any way. Paul was worried people were anxious about the wrong things. And I think that that's still true today. The unmarried man is anxious about pleasing the Lord. But if you're married, you're more worried about pleasing your wife. Um, I really want to dig into this a bit here because I think that we look at marriage wrong in this way. As Paul said earlier in the book, we get married because our passions burn for one another. 
when we become one flesh, we should still be focused on serving God. But now, as united cord of three, three strands, you, your, your wife, and, and God, those three parts make that union strong. Paul noticed, and we see it too today, that the spouse tends to ignore God in order to keep his wife happy or she with her husband. And I'm going to take that a step further. In today's culture especially, parents tend to get anxious over pleasing their children. Today's culture serves their children in ways probably Paul never would have thought of. Children have turned, in a lot of cases, from a blessing into a curse in today's society. I remember watching, on the, this, was, this was about a year or so ago, I was watching this TV show, and it, it was one of those like 60 minutes type things. And this girl, who's about 15, 16 years old, was so mad at her parents because they had the audacity to cut her weekly allowance from $10,000 down to $5,000. How was she going to shop on Rodeo Drive now? You can't buy a purse for that kind of money. I mean, she was livid with her parents, and her parents are going, well, we need to teach her some responsibility. I'm going, yeah, cut the whole thing out get rid of it all. But, she, I mean, that child is just a spoiled brat. And, and the parents are just fostering that because all they care about is pleasing the kid. Let's make her happy. Let's make her happy. We don't want to upset her. That'll make any parent anxious. So if you focus your life on serving the Lord, you know what? Your spouse is going to do the same. If you're both focused on serving the Lord, your children will follow. Like I said a few weeks ago, we tend to see a lot of individuals in marriages. Two ships headed in different directions. And normally, okay, can we turn this down a little bit? Two ships are headed in, in different directions, and normally the spouses are trying to drag the other spouse in the direction that they want to go. That's what Paul is warning about here. Anxious to do what our spouse wants us to do instead of what the Lord would have us doing. So let's face it. We have divided interests. Seriously, stop for a second and think. How much time do you spend with the Lord? I can tell you, a 2014 Pew Research poll found that 55% of Americans said they pray once a day. I'm going to say this right here, right now. They're lying. About 23% said once a week, and the rest said seldom or never. I would tell you that those numbers are higher on the seldom to never, and I would tell you the once a week is probably even low. So let me ask this. Is praying once a day 
a relationship. How much time do you spend with your wife? How much time do you spend with your children? When we do pray, is it meaningful prayer? Or is it just some kind of ritualistic nonsense that we do because we need to check off I prayed this today box? Do we read God's word so that we can draw closer to him? Guys, when you were trying when you were trying to get your wives guys how much time did you spend with her oh i love her i'll do anything for you baby i'll do anything what would you like me to do would you how how many hours did you spend on the phone falling asleep cuz you wanted to just hear her voice I love you, baby. Oh, no, no, I love you more. No, I love you more. You don't know I love you more than you love me or any of that. And you guys sounded ridiculous. But you did it because you wanted to have that relationship with her. And you'd do anything. Oh, you want me to come get you right now? Yeah, I'll come get you right now. And then you got married. And life went back to normal, right? And women are sitting there going, how come you don't treat me like that anymore? Or how come you never tell me that you love me anymore? And men, you guys respond with this genius line. I told you I love you when I married you. If I change my mind, I'll let you know. Right? And guys, we do that and then we wonder... We sit back and we go, why is it that 70% of divorces are filed by women? Because they feel duped. It's kind of like a big old bait and switch. Like, I love you, baby. I'll do anything for you. to. Yep, I'll, I'll let you know if I change my mind. They thought they were getting this Prince Charming... And well, they, they ended up with, well, you. Or me. I mean, I'm not the best husband in the planet, I admit it. This, this entire teaching is written by me for me. You all just get the pleasure of watching and listening. I'm going to slap myself around a little bit here. Have you noticed that a lot of my teachings are that way? And you guys still come. This is amazing. Um, you know what? And then amazingly, your wife puts up with you long enough that you guys all have children. You procreate. And then they're like the most precious little things in the world, aren't they? We coddle them and we teach them to talk and, and walk. And, and, then, and then they say, No! And they lose their shininess, right? Right about that moment in life where like, <laughs> you know what, here's what men do. You guys ready? Because you all know this is the truth. We get back to being really busy at work. Because we need to submerse ourselves 
in all kinds of things to prevent confrontation at home, right? And I can guarantee you that if you have marital problems, that stuff gets expanded on by 10 times. It, it just, it does. So what, what happened? What happened in your life that all of this, you, you went from, I love you, baby, I'll do it, to, to like, you want to get back to work. It, it's not your kids. I can tell you that right now. My kids got me one of those, one of those t-shirts. You know, how many of you guys gotten these? The best dad ever shirts you guys are world's greatest dad yeah so i i literally argued with my children when they gave me this shirt i'm going guys i'm not even top 10 there's no way i mean like ever there's i I can name off at least 10 dads that are better than me there's a great there are a lot of great ones out there here's the thing you know what guys your children believe it they'll believe it until they don't Till you prove them wrong they hope for it even kids listen to me even kids with drop down dead drunk dads who beat them will still hold out hope you know why because you got mom somehow there's got to be good in you <laughs> you 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 suckered mom into this whole idea You've got to be good somewhere. Paul says that our problem here is that we divide our focus. And here's the secret, though. It can be done. It's much harder for women than for men. And the sad truth is that most men don't deal with trouble too well. Women, you can go ahead and say amen. Um. So, men tend to run to work where it's safe. And there's a much easier solution to this that will make your life happier, men. Here's what you do, and it's really simple. You ready? I'm going to make your life better. Go back to having a relationship with your wife. Spend the time, men, this is hard. Listen, though, I'm making your life easier. Spend the time to actually talk to your wife. See where she's at. You know what? Guys, you don't have to say much. All you have to do is be there, and she'll talk your ear off. It's going to happen. But you have to listen. Okay? I know that this seems like I'm going way off of the text here, but I'm not. And you'll see why. Because the same is true when you're talking to your children. Spend the time to talk and listen to them. It doesn't have to be all day long. But they have to know that you care you have to make an honest effort to connect with them. You know what? Do a project. Go on a bike ride. Take them golfing. Whatever it is that that they would find interesting that you can do together. 
because your children want to spend that time with you. They want a relationship with you. And here's the thing. When you do that with your wife, your children see a better picture of how your prayer life should be because God the Father wants the same kind of a relationship with you. God wants to know what your struggles are. He wants to know your victories. He wants to share those things that you go through to help you deal with them. We live divided lives, but we don't have to let it divide us. We can have an amazing relationship with our wives and cherish them like we did when, when we were dating them. Guys, they married you because they want to share your life with you. They didn't marry you so that you could run off and do this over here and they do this over here and the two of you, you know what? Love you, see you, good night. See you in the morning, we're gonna do this again tomorrow. Do what? Live our completely separate lives apart from each other and then we'll come back and we'll kiss again at night. You know, I always love that thing. Always kiss me good night. That don't mean nothing. Have a relationship with your wife. A united person of flesh and spirit is what we're going for. Because when we go before God together, our children see the strength of our faith. And then they want that too. We usher our combined strength of faith onto our children and they want to join us going towards the goal that all of our family should be going towards. I told you I was going to bring this back around. Our lives may be divided in all kinds of ways, but there is a way to unite them all back to our main purpose, which is to serve God and enjoy Him forever. So our last point in Paul's teaching is, so we're all still here, now what? Like I said, 2,000 years ago, Paul's advice was to not marry and divide our loyalties. We know that someday Christ is going to return, and we know that we're to be prepared. We also know that we are commanded to raise godly offspring for the kingdom, and men were commanded to love our wives. So I've pretty much laid all this out here, but the key to all of this is our relationships. If we don't have a good relationship with our children, it's hard to have a good relationship with your spouse your husband or your wife, because if we don't have a good relationship with our children, our parents, or as our partner, is going to look at us and go, why are you so selfish that you can't even love your own children? It doesn't matter which spouse. If you don't have a good relationship with my wife, my children see that as well. And they go, how did... How do you have like this relationship with God, but you can't even love your own wife? 
you had to have loved her at some point. You had to, and you know what? Children will model their relationship after yours. That's just a fact. We we were at our we were at uh, Kayla's bridal shower, her baby shower, not her bridal shower, her baby shower. We were at her baby shower, and Ben, because Ben's in the military, is not allowed to leave the the base. They've got it locked down because of the COVID thing. And so I'm there, and she's going through, and she's opening up all these presents. So me, being me, I'm kind of commenting on all the presents that she's getting. And she goes, you know, I'm really glad that you're here because I kind of miss Ben's sarcasm, and you're filling in really nicely. And I said, well, it... It is said that most daughters will marry somebody just like their dad. She goes, you have no idea. She goes, I didn't understand it when I was first dating him, but now that we've been married for a while, she goes, he is so much like you. Wow. So, they do, they model their relationships after you. I can tell you that I spent hours, countless hours, counseling people on the stuff that their parents did that they're now doing that they want to get away from. It, it, is, it can be a vicious cycle, or you can all be united going towards one goal together. So relationship builds unity. Unity builds love. Love builds purpose, and purpose builds anything. When we have good relationships, we're all united together. When we're all united together, our love builds for one another. We trust each other more. We want the same things. When you're going in different directions, your lives are on completely different paths. That's not a relationship. That's just, it's literally, it's chaos. Because your whole family's a mess because you're completely divided over just simple, basic things. Guys, you have to rein this back in and get going in the same direction. Because if you don't, your family, when, when, you, when your children get up and they get older, they just split off and they're going somewhere else. They, they don't need to be around you because you guys weren't around anyway. You weren't on the same path. You weren't on the same goal. You weren't on the same mission. You were all doing different stuff. That's, that's not That's not family. When our love is strong, we look for that united purpose. What are our goals? Where are we going? When we have purpose and we are united, we can do anything. God wants us to have amazing And we can do that 
when we look at our lives through these simple ideas. Paul wanted us, and he goes through this all through the entire book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, actually all of his epistles, Paul wanted us to have amazing relationships with Jesus Christ. And you know what? Your relationship, and I talk about this all the time, your relationship and my relationship are going to be completely different. The main point is that we're having a relationship and we're making it an amazing relationship with Jesus Christ and with our family. It all starts with relationship, though. We have to put in the time. Guys, we cannot run off to work and hide from putting in the time. We can't do it. Our prayer life has to be the most important thing that we have. It has to be. Because we have to, as believers, any children, wives, fathers, it doesn't matter who you are. Your prayer life has to be the most important thing in your life because you can't do anything else without having the strength of Christ to do it. You just can't. Only through that relationship can we then have a relationship with our wife and our children because they see that unconditional love exampled. We have to be men and women and children of God who are grounded in prayer and scripture in order to be relational with others. We have to be. We can't put anything above God because he's our rock. He's the only thing that gives us strength. And I can tell you right now, I know so many people who try and do it in their own strength. You can't do it. Our wives and children help us towards that goal instead of pulling us from that. And when we realize, you know what? When your children and your wives realize the kind of person that you can be through prayer, you know what happens? They're shoving you into a prayer closet. They're shoving you to your knees because they want you to be that person. I'm going to finish with this. The common goal is all of us serving Christ. That's the goal. If we're all doing different things in our family and we're all looking at things differently from one another, we're not headed towards that right goal. So our goal is all of us serving Christ. And then we love each other. Then we spread that love to other people. 
literally, it's great commission, guys. We are commanded to go out and do that, but we have to be right first. Going out and spreading the commission, the great commission, and, and telling people the gospel of Christ when, you're, when your life is a mess, people look at you and they go, I don't want to be like that. I think that's a, look, look at they, they only kiss at night. <laughs> he doesn't even, he doesn't really love his wife. They just kind of hang out together, but they don't, I mean, we have to example that Christian life in order for people to go, oh yeah, I want that. And I'm just going to finish with this. Let's go be relational. Start with your spouse. Actually, start with God. Start with prayer. Then, husbands. I don't, do you guys notice I keep saying husbands and not wives? Because wives, y'all listen to your husbands. Husbands don't listen to your wives. That's just a fact. And I know, they talk a lot. It's okay. They're supposed to. And you're supposed to listen a lot. Because when you do, you're going to find out things about your wife that, remember when you dated, you used to sit there and listen to her go on for hours. I was going to say Babylon. I know. But you did. You sit there and you listened to her for hours. Why? Because you wanted to know everything that there was to know about her. Because you wanted to have that relationship with her. Guys, Christ wants the exact same thing. He wants you to listen. He wants to hear you. He wants to talk to you. Your wife wants the same thing. She wants to hear you. She wants to talk to you. She wants you to know what's going on in her life. And you know what? Your children, it's the same thing. So many times we're like, yeah, 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 kid, whatever. I ain't got time for this. You need to make the time. Sadly enough, our children grow up like us. Think about that. How many of you are scared now? <laughs> we want them we want them to see the love of Christ and we want them to have those relationships that are strong and we want that to be exampled so that when they go out in the world they show that to other people that's, that's what Christianity is all about is showing people what love we have for one another. If we're all divided all over the place, that's not love. That's just division. Let's go out there and show people what true love is. Start with your own house. Let's stand up. We'll pray. Lord, I just pray for myself. I pray for those here. I pray that we would... We would take the time starting